All right, if you have your Bible, please turn to the book of Matthew. Or it might actually be easier to think you're turning to the book of Mark, the very first page of Mark, and then just turn it back, because we'll be in Matthew 28. We'll be looking at the very last words of Matthew's gospel this morning. As we continue thinking together and praying about what we've already been singing and been led through a scripture reading that God would bless us and bless us in such a way that his name would be known, his saving power through all the earth. If you're a guest with us today, uh, let me add my welcome to you. We're so glad that, that you are here and trust that you've been blessed already by being here and that you'll continue to be as we uh, continue to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're just so glad that you are with us today. And you've caught us kind of in the middle of a series on the church. We're talking about what the church is, and we've actually just started last week moving into talking about what the church does because of what the church is. And today we're talking about the church and its mission, particularly the mission of making disciples. So let's read Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. I'll read those aloud. You can follow along, and then we'll pray. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. You have made us. Even the creation reveals your greatness and your glory. But if you had not spoken to us, we could never be saved. We could never relate to you rightly. And so we thank you that you have revealed yourself in your word. And would you speak to us now through it? And would we listen? Holy Spirit, would you take your word and press it on our hearts in such a way that uh, a little more we are made into the people that you want us to be. Loving what you love. Rejoicing in what you rejoice in. And so would you bless us even now as we sit under your word? Would you meet with us, care for us, lead us even now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The big idea this morning is this. Jesus has sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples to the end of the earth until the end of the age. And we'll leave that up there a little bit. And the the order there is important. Jesus has sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples to the end of the earth until the end 
of the age. In a way, this is our attempt at summarizing what we just read from Matthew 28. As Jesus met with his disciples after his death and after his resurrection, he had told them to meet with him. They go to the place. Some of them worship him, but some of them doubt. And he tells them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Jesus has sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples to the end of the earth until the end of the age. We'll actually be using this text next week as well, because when we talk about the whole mission of making disciples, we're actually talking about making new disciples and helping those who are already disciples to mature. So making new disciples and maturing existing disciples. Maturing disciples is what we will talk about next week. We'll talk about that part of the whole mission. Because as you see in the text, he said to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So this week we'll be talking about baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Next week we'll be talking about teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so part of what we just want to feel for a minute there is that telling other people about Jesus and having them hear the good news that they can be saved from their sins and trusting in him, that's not the end of our mission So when we think about our mission as a church, it's not just getting someone to the point where they trust in Jesus. It's actually walking with them all the way, teaching them. It's going to take a minute to teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded his disciples. And so sometimes we can equate mission with evangelism, telling people about Jesus. That's mission. I'm doing mission when I do that. But it is also part of the mission to see people built up moved toward obedience to all of Christ's commands. That's what we'll be talking about next week. This week we are talking about taking the gospel to people who do not yet know Jesus. So this week making disciples, next week maturing disciples. So let's start working kind of through our big idea for today by focusing on that very first word, Jesus. Sometimes we can get on to like, well, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of need. We've already been kind of presented some of that this morning, and that's good. And it's important for us to feel the need, to be aware of the needs around us and around the world. But sometimes we can end up starting there, and it's just like, oh, man, there's, there's a lot to do. Hopefully we can get some help with this. We, we have a lot to do. There's a lot of need, and we feel, we feel the weight, and we forget that we're not the Savior. Jesus is. This mission starts with him. It's his mission. It's not just us going like, we've gotten this idea from the Bible that it'd be good for other people to know about Jesus and we've got to do it. No, Jesus is the one. It's all about him. If we start with us, we're in danger of missing what the mission is all about. It's all about Jesus and his glory. That's, that's first. He is first. And when we have this firmly in view, that helps us to keep the main thing the main thing as we approach mission. Because mission is about more people knowing, loving, and worshiping Jesus, both now and forever. John Piper, a retired pastor now in Minnesota, has famously said that missions exist 
because worship doesn't. One day, everyone will see Jesus, and one day all those who are his will be gathered together with him in his place where everything will be perfect, and none of us will say to each other, know the Lord, right? We're told in the prophets, because they will all know me, he says. They'll all know the Lord. And so there will be a day when mission is over, when there's no one else to tell, because everyone around us trusts in Jesus and belongs to him. But as we're very aware, that day's not today, right? That's, that's a future day. That's coming, and it's going to be great. But missions exists because worship does not yet exist. If everyone worshiped Jesus, we wouldn't need to go anywhere to tell people about Jesus. So missions exist because worship doesn't. Part of what that means is that the church won't be on mission like this forever. We won't be forever on mission, but we are until the end of the age. We will worship the Lamb forever. That's why we did worship last week. Worship actually comes before mission. You can never join Jesus' mission until Jesus has saved you from your sins. Because Jesus' mission isn't just things getting better in this life. It's not just clean water or even the justice and equity that was talked about earlier. It's all toward him. It's all for him. And that's important for us to remember as we think about mission. That helps us stay focused on what we're supposed to do. Because our unique mission as the church is for people to know Jesus is the great Savior, to hear that good news. And that can be accompanied with lots of love and good deeds, and we're to do that in word and deed. But it's always both. It's not one or the other because it's about Jesus. It's not just about people getting into a better spot. It's about people trusting in Jesus. We proclaim his name. We're his witnesses. We tell his story. And we see in the text here that he's the one who sends us on mission. He defines our mission. Our Savior is our master and also our model for mission. He was sent by his Father to live among us. Now, he did it better than we can, right? He lived a perfect life, which none of us have done. And he did that in our place. He died a bloody sacrificial death on the cross that wasn't for his own sins. It was for ours. The sins of everyone who will trust in him. And he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose from the grave, showing his power over sin and death and Satan forever. And now he's ascended to his father and he's reigning even now at the right hand of the father. And one day, he's coming back. This is the good news. Do you know that this good news is for you? Before we can think about, I'm going to be on mission for Jesus, we have to belong to Jesus. The mission has to come to us. We have to hear the good news and be saved. To respond with repentance and faith. To realize, I haven't lived that perfect life. I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. I have not lived for God's glory. The songs earlier are not always my song. 
My one desire is to see the name of Jesus lifted high above all things. Sometimes it'd be more like, my one desire is to see Rob lifted high above all things. That's probably not your song, that'd be my song. (laughs) But we all go there, right? And so we need his ministry to us before we will ever minister to anyone else. Do you know this Jesus? Have you turned from your sins and trusted in him? Now for the person who has, they're not perfect. You know, if you're here, okay, you're talking about, you know, this is, there's this like crossing over from, from death to life and now belonging to Jesus and being on his team, being one of his people forever. Is that when everyone else here is done and now everything in their life goes just the way that it should? And they feel that blessing all the time and it's just they're walking on clouds and every day is a beautiful day. You know, it's, it's, it rains for everyone else, but it's sunny for the people who belong to Jesus. Even from what you've already heard shared today, we know that's not the case. We still face difficulty and suffering and death, loss, grief. We still struggle with sin. We still stumble and fall. Our assurance is not that all of those things are fixed automatically in this life. It's that we belong to him and he will come and make every wrong right. And he will take us home to be with him, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done for us. When we talk about mission, we're talking about Jesus. He is the great savior. He humbled himself even to death on a cross, bearing all our sin. Now he's exalted. He says in the text, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's a good thing it's given to him and not to us, right? We'd have plans, right? All authority on heaven and earth given to me. All right, I got some ideas, right? Phillies are going to be totally unstoppable. (laughs) The Eagles will destroy the Cowboys tonight. Right? It's like, we can get behind that. (laughs) When all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus, what does he do with it? He sends his disciples on mission to make more disciples. That's what moves his heart. And that's what we want to move Ours, the same things that move him. Luke 19, 10, we're told the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Are we moved to follow him on mission? Seeking those who are lost and telling them that they can be saved through faith in the name of Jesus. Because in John 20, as Jesus spoke to his disciples there after the resurrection, he said, as the father sent me, So I am sending you. We are all sent. It's Jesus who sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples to the end of the earth until the end of the age. And so based on that, I want to make three observations about this command to make disciples. Disciples. We're talking about making disciples. And the first thing we want to see is that this is a comprehensive command. This command 
is comprehensive. The 10 to 12ers are out, and the 6 and 9ers are out too. I don't get to explain words anymore. All of you know what it means for a command. Okay, <laughs> Tabea is like, English isn't my first language. Um, <laughs> so a comprehensive command, right? That's a, it's a big one. It covers everything. And there are multiple ways that this command is comprehensive. One is that it's about the whole mission, right? That it's making disciples and maturing existing disciples. Another way that it is comprehensive is that it's for the whole church. That's why we say that Jesus has sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples. Because we might hear something like, what we've said so far, and be like, that is fantastic, and I am so glad that there are missionaries who are going to other parts of the world to tell people about Jesus. I'm so glad that our church cares about this. All right? We're good now. We did our, we talked about it. I mean, we even talked about mission earlier in this same year. Whoa. Our church really cares about it. Is that the point? <laughs> to be able to say we go to a church that cares about mission? That talks about it occasionally? And maybe we feel guilty for a minute and it's like, well, but Jesus forgives me, so it's all good. And, and then we just go on with our lives. Or does this mandate from our master move us? And again, the point here isn't to make everyone feel bad about what we haven't done. It's to motivate us to be moved by God's glory, to be moved by the fame of Jesus so that we eagerly want to line up our lives with his agenda, with his plans, with his will. It's for everyone. The whole church is involved in this. It's not just the missionaries who are out there doing it across the world right now. It's not just for the pastors in the church who preach it. And sometimes we can think like, oh, I want to talk to my friend about Jesus. I need to invite um, my pastor over to help with that. Now, if you come to us with that kind of request, we will never turn you down. <laughs> May we get more requests like that, right? <laughs> but also, <laughs> you can do it too. You can tell people about Jesus. If you have been saved by him, you belong to him and you know his saving power and his love and his grace and his mercy for you. And it's just telling what you know. And sure, sometimes there's sticky questions and there's like, well, what about this and what about that? And sure, we're glad to help prepare you for conversations like that or help have those conversations with you. We're glad to do that. But this mission is not just for some super Christians, pastors or missionaries or whatever. It's for everyone who's a disciple, everyone who belongs to him. In Matthew's version, it is the 11. But in one of the others, in Luke, it's all of them. It's the 11, and then there's a crowd around of the rest of those who follow Jesus. And when the Spirit came in Acts, he didn't come on just the 11, right? He came on them all. And he did it for mission, for the fame of Jesus. And it's our job 
actually as your pastors to help equip you to do the work of the ministry. We find that in Ephesians 4, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later in the series as we talk about leadership and membership. So our job isn't to do the ministry and you attend and watch and cheer occasionally. It's for all of us to be equipped to be the followers of Jesus that he has called us to be. Jesus has sent the whole church, you, me. And he has sent each of us in unique ways because some of your conversations are with coworkers on the other side of doors that I can't walk through. Right? You've heard me, if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me say, I don't have a key card to your building. Right? When I used to work down in Bala, I had a key card. It let me in. But they were very concerned about other people getting in. I have no idea why. I imagine that most of the places where you work, they're also concerned about that, except for those of you who are like, I work in a coffee shop. I want everyone to come in. I got it. God has called you to be where you are, where you work. Do you see that as just like, well, this is, I got I'm, I'm, bills, right? <laughs> or is, sure, that's for bills, but also for a place for you to glorify God and to love your neighbor as yourself and to love them all the way to being willing to take the risk when you're not stealing from your company to do it, to tell them about Jesus. Which might mean Going out to lunch with coworkers when you'd rather bring your own lunch because it's cheaper. That was that was me at my old job. It's like this one's this, this is better. I'll sit in my car and eat my lunch, or just eat my lunch at my desk and be that worker that works all the way. See, look at that. They see how dedicated I am. I was like, Rob, do you want to go out? So, well, no, no, not today. It's like, when are those conversations supposed to happen, though? And so I had to adjust. Now, thankfully, that was a really fun adjustment because there's a Qdoba right down there. And it's, that became like the Tuesday thing. That's when they have double points. They still do. They did not pay me for this moment in the sermon. <laughs> and I learned that serving can be enjoyable too. <laughs> but it was more expensive and it was a change. But it was a change that led to being able to have conversations that I couldn't have if we just sat in our cubicles next to each other and did our work. And I know we're all in different kind of situations. I'm, my, my kind of paradigm is cubicle farm with important people, you know, in the offices on the ends. And your work may be completely different than that. But there are opportunities for you that are not opportunities for me. And that are not opportunities for anyone else in this church. And maybe there aren't opportunities for any other believer in Jesus. And God has put you there. Do you see yourself as sent by Jesus to the place that you are? And some of you say, well, I, I don't go to work. I, I stay at home with, with some kids and it's, it's difficult and it's challenging. And it's a joy and I wanted it, but it's, it's challenging. Do you see yourself as sent there? So I don't even have to go anywhere. It's like, that's fine. For many of us, we're not going to go very far. You are sent to the regular places that you go. You are sent to the dentist's office. You say, how do you talk while they got their hands in my mouth? 
I'm not entirely sure because I haven't figured that part out yet. But I have lots of great conversations with my hygienist every time. And that's not to be like, well, Rob's so good at all this, right? Because I had another hygienist there that I did not talk to at all for years. And then I chipped a tooth and went late at not late at night, but the last one of the day, and there was time, and people were talking, and then it's like, kind of started. So even the, the examples that, that are like, Rob's doing this, the, the story is he didn't do it right, <laughs> and then God like changed the situation to make it where like, you have to talk now. Um, I was like, okay, I'll talk now. And I say that because I need to grow in this too. We all do. But if you feel like, oh yeah, see, that's, I feel good now. That's what's supposed to happen. My pastor's supposed to do this kind of stuff. It's like, it's not the point of this part of the message. It's for all of us. It's for all the places we go. Work is where we get to build the most relationships, perhaps outside of our own block. It, it depends on how, how everything works there, whether it's, whether it's your block or work. But then there are other places you go, the places you already enjoy being, that other people do too. Learning to build relationships in order to get to know people, in order to be able to give them the best news ever. It's easy for us to be like, did you see that Phillies game yesterday? That was awesome, right? And even we went down to one of our neighbors last night and it's like, yeah, you're wearing your Philly stuff. It's like, yep, I am. And they still had the post game on like, three hours after the game ended because it's that fun right now for the people who care. And others of you are like, I don't get it at all. And that's okay. You do not have to get it. It's not a requirement. Although there might be a couple other people who feel differently than I do. You can check with them at the uh, picnic afterwards. (laughs) Send your crying kids to Richie. Send your people who are like, what? Sports don't matter to Robin and we'll be all set. (laughs) But hopefully she'll end up saying by the end, you can be a good Christian and not a sports fan. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Right? It's that when Jesus got all authority in heaven and earth, what did he do? Right? Not make sports great. (laughs) But we live where we live. We work where we work. We're sent to the places we already go on mission by Jesus. And this first part that we're talking about this week of making disciples, that's highlighted there in the baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Because baptizing represents the initiation into discipleship. It's what happens at the beginning of following Jesus. You hear the good news, you respond with faith, and you are made alive. God, by his Spirit, opens your eyes to see, and you belong to him. And those who belong to him get baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. The waters don't wash away your sin. Jesus has already washed away your sin. But baptism is that picture that we get to celebrate here as new believers are added to God's family. Say, when are you ready to be baptized? And some of you have been baptized right here. Many of you have been baptized right here, signaling, I belong to Jesus. I believe in him. I want to live 
for him. And so here in this passage, Jesus is saying, make disciples, baptizing them. That's symbolizing, that's picturing the beginning of the Christian life, belonging to Jesus. And that's what we're talking about, taking the good news to make disciples to the end of the earth, until the end of the age. And he does it through the church. Part of it being comprehensive is that it is way too big for any one of us to do, and it is way too big for any one church to do. For us to be like, we're going to do it. It's like you look around and you're like, well, we're going to try, right? And so we can't do it. But Jesus can. In fact, he has promised it. The command is not only comprehensive. We have a sure result. The result is sure. And this is great because that's one of the, sorry, we're talking about sports so much today. But usually when you go to a concert, you have a pretty good idea of how it's going to turn out, right? Unless the singer hurts themselves, right, and can't do it, then that's really disappointing. But when you go to a sports game, and even if you're not into sports, you can imagine this, right? When you go to a game, you actually don't know ahead of time who's going to win. And so you're taking a risk, right? A bit of a financial risk, like we're spending some money. We might actually have a bad day, right? This could get sad fast, (laughs) right? And you're like, oh, dude, I could have just done this at home where I can just turn it off and yell for a few minutes, you know? Instead, I have to be with 40,000 other people who feel just like me. It's not fun. Now, the flip side of that is what yesterday felt like for those of you who were down in South Philly, right? Where everyone's excited, it's great. Everyone's going crazy, yelling, screaming, cheering. And again, there's some of you who are like, why would anyone do that? And that's okay, that's not the point. With Jesus, this comprehensive command that it's like, there's no way we can even do it all. It's not about us doing it all. He has promised to be with us. He put that right in there. I'm with you always to the end of the age. But in other places, he promised a sure result. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That promise still stands. Jesus is still building his church, and nothing and no one can stop him. The Apostle Paul, when he was in Corinth, this story is recorded in Acts 18, they were meeting some opposition. Not many people were believing. It's like, what do we do? Do we stay here? Do we go somewhere else? The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And then he stayed another year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Say, well, maybe that promise isn't exactly for us. We don't have it that specifically, like no one will harm you. But we believe that by God's grace, he has many people in this city. People who are not yet visibly his people, right? When he's saying that to Paul, he's not saying there's, there's a bunch of other Christians 
already here and you just need to connect with them and you'll feel better about yourself. So there's a bunch of people who soon, through your proclamation, will become Christians. And Paul, in the strength of that promise from the Lord, served and a church was founded. And then in Revelation, we have the picture of the scene in heaven in Revelation 5. And they're saying, worthy are you, O Lord, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. It's this text that drives some of the things that Eric was saying earlier today about unreached people. People who the the Bible's not in their language. There's no one there telling them about Jesus. And so there are organizations focused on how do we get people there? How do we do that work? Because Jesus has told us through his word as we see it revealed here in Revelation that he ransomed people, not just kind of generically, but people from every tribe and tongue and language, people and nation. And that result is sure. It's a sure result. The outcome is fixed. There's nothing you or I can do to get it over the hump. And there's nothing you or I can do to mess it up. If the gates of hell can't stop it, you can either. And some of us would hear that and go, well, then I don't need to do anything. Right? If God's got it, if it's going to happen, if it's unstoppable, I can just enjoy the Phillies. And whatever, it else, whatever else it is that I enjoy. But the Bible doesn't let us go there. Right? That makes sense to us. It's like if he's got it and I can't even mess it up, then I don't have anything to do. It's like, but, but the whole point is he's given us a commission. God works through means right? He could just save anybody he wants anywhere he wants, however, but he has chosen to do it through his people going, generally speaking. And there are stories, especially for those coming out of dark corners of the world, those coming from the Muslim world, particularly where you hear of before someone comes to them with with good news about Jesus, they've already seen a Jesus they didn't even know in a vision. But we find that out when someone goes and tells them. And it's usually not when they see that vision initially that they believe and belong to Jesus now. It's when it's met with someone who's come to them with the good news. God uses those to prepare people to get them ready to hear the good news. But he means to save them through us, through people, through disciples, followers of Jesus who are going with this good news. The result is sure. And rather than making us sit back and do nothing, that makes us go with complete confidence. Just like if you knew the Phillies were going to win yesterday, and you knew it was going to be fun, and there were going to be home runs, and it was going to be an exciting game, and they were going to win and knock out the Braves, then you would for sure go. Right? Because you've got a guaranteed party. It's going to be a party today. It's going to be great. We have that kind of confidence. And we go with that kind of confidence because Jesus has promised. Now, 
The surety of the result does not mean that it's going to be easy. Right? So we go like, well, look at all that at the end. I'll just go. Like, I'm motivated now. I've never told anybody about Jesus before, and I'm going. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to go tell my neighbor. And you go talk to your neighbor, and they're like, well, I don't need We're busy right now. It's like, but the result was sure. It's like, okay, well, so individual results are not sure. Right? It's not that we know now everyone who's going to believe. This is not a promise that every time we go to someone with the gospel, they'll believe, right? We, we worked through Acts last year. Uh, we know that sometimes when you go, you'll actually be met with persecution. I mean, we're following Jesus, right? How did he save? By dying for other people. And so this doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean we're never going to face persecution or that our lives will be easier, that everyone we talk to will believe. Some will. Some will. And some will reject, and some may even persecute us. But we belong to Jesus, who has all authority in heaven on earth. And he's given us a mission, and we keep going, even through difficulty, confident that the result is sure. He will save his people, and we, as part of that people, will be gathered around his throne. So it's a comprehensive command. It's a sure result, and there is a limited time. There's a limited time. We do the whole church, doing the whole mission, making disciples to the end of the earth. That's, boy, it's comprehensive. But the mission cannot fail. It will not fail because of God's own promise but it is a limited time offer. Colossians 4, 5, Paul reminds us, he says, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders. And in that instance, what he means by outsiders is those who are outside of Christ, outside of the faith, those who are not believing in Jesus, those who don't belong to him. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. A lot of times when we hear this verse, we think about like time management and how I got to be more efficient and use things better and it's fine. Let's, let's be more efficient. But the, the point of the verse is not about have you having a better day, right? And managing your time better and being more effective. It's managing your time in such a way that those who don't yet know Jesus can know who Jesus is. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use or redeeming, to use the older language, the time. It's not just buying time pack for ourselves. It's for mission. We won't be on mission like this forever. It's to the end of the earth, but Jesus says here that it's to the end of the age. His very last words says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And that's how long the mission will be. This age, the age in which we live now. There will be a day when the mission's over, when Jesus comes again. But until then, we continue on this mission. At the end of the age, he'll save his people, judge his enemies, and the mission will be complete. And so, for us, we have this comprehensive command. It's got a sure result. There's a limited time. We're all called to participate. How do we participate? How do we do that? What's our part to play? And we've 
said a lot about that already, so we won't take too long. How do we participate? How do we help? What's our part to play in the mission as those who have heard the good news about Jesus and responded with faith and live for him? First, go. Right? That's, that's what's actually he's telling people to do here in the text. It's like, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. And so the first application, what do we do is we get involved with going with the gospel across the world. And that could mean short-term missions, like some of you have done. It could mean long-term missions. And we never want to just assume that just because everyone lives here now means that we will always live here. And we don't want it just to be that moving away from here means moving to somewhere that's easier or more comfortable or less expensive. Not everyone must go across the globe with the gospel, but have you ever considered that God might be calling you? And even calls young people too, so this isn't just for adults who like have full agency and can, well, I'm going to move wherever. God calls people in their youth as well. Have you ever considered that God might be calling you to go? How wonderful would it be if God called some from among us to take the gospel to places where he has not yet known? Do you dream of that? Do you pray for that? Parents, do we pray for it for our children? Or do our dreams keep them much closer to home? Some are called to go, and we always want to be listening for that call and eager to go if that's how God calls us. Some are called to go, and most are called to stay because there is plenty of mission work to do right here. So we're called to stay, but that doesn't mean we're off the hook. It means we get to participate in a different way. So some go. Many of us stay. And staying, again, it doesn't mean we're off the hook. It means we get to go with the gospel across the street. And so there are formal ways that we do this as a church. And then there are informal ways. And we've mostly talked about the informal ways already. Uh, one of those formal ways is through Christianity Explored, which is finishing up here in a couple weeks. Now, where we're inviting people. Where some of you took invitations out around where we're located here to say, hey, and whether you're hanging them on a door or sticking them in a door or talking to someone saying, hey, we're going to be talking about who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And the hope there is that people would come. We'll go, well, okay, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm interested. I'll learn. And they come and listen and they hear about Jesus and what he has done for sinners like them. And the Lord opens their hearts to believe we also hope that VBS functions that way as we're inviting children from the neighborhood and from schools where our kids go and saying, come, come with us and learn about this Jesus. It also happens through church planting. The church we prayed for today was planted earlier this year. 
in a neighborhood without a strong gospel presence in Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. And their aim is not to gather a bunch of Christians so they can have a church and that pastors can have jobs. Their aim is for people who right now don't know who Jesus is and have no hope, would have hope through the good news about Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection. So those are some of the ways we do that formally, but then it's mostly going to happen informally, at home, on your block, and at work. So some go, most stay, and for those of us who stay, we're also called to send. We go, we stay, we send, and we want to support the gospel across the world And so we pray each week for partners in the Dominican Republic and in Zambia. I'm also in contact with a church in Belarus uh, that we had hoped to partner with, that I was actually supposed to go on a trip a few years ago now, and there's been significant political unrest there for years. You don't hear much about it because Ukraine's like a bigger thing, and there's no war in Belarus. Um, But there's a pastor's wife who is right now kind of out on personal reconnaissance, um, who, is, who was just sentenced a week and a half ago to two years of hard labor, um, which seeing pictures of her and videos of her, it's like, I don't know what hard labor means, but I hope they don't really mean what I think it might mean for her. Um, and so it's, it's real. Like when you say like the result is sure, but things happen, they, they do, and God's sovereign even over that, and that's not a reason to stop, and it's not a reason to run away, but the cost is real. And so for those of us who are called to stay, we're to send, whether it's sending people to the nations, whether it's connecting with people who are seeking to take the gospel to hard places in their own countries and have advantages that we would never have in taking it there. We want to be part of sending and supporting the gospel going all around the world. And one of the best ways that we support is to pray. We go, we stay, we send, and we pray. We ask for God to do what only he can do. To save people. To call workers. To raise up people to take that good news across the gospel, across the world. Because Jesus has sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples to the end of the earth until the end of the age. And right when we feel like this is too much, I can't do it, it's too hard, I don't have the resources I need, he says at the end of verse 20, behold, I am with you always. Jesus is not a general who leads from the back. Right? In the old days, generals led from the front. (laughs) And now generals sit thousands of miles away from the battle and press buttons and send messages. Jesus is not a general pressing buttons from far away. Going like, you go over here, you go over there. Well, we win some, we lose some. Jesus has gone before us and he goes with us. He's promised to be with us until he comes back to make all things new. This commission has not been completed. It has never been replaced and there is no backup plan. We are Jesus' plan for the gospel to go to the nations.
And the good news is, it's a plan that cannot fail. Will you embrace God's call to be a part of it? With confidence in his promise, let's obey the clear, comprehensive command of our king in the time that we have remaining to go, stay, send, and pray in word and deed. By God's grace, let's be part of his mission of making disciples. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you. Thank you that you have not only given us your word, you've given us your spirit. And that Jesus, you are present with us by the Holy Spirit. Empowering us to do the mission that you've given us to do. Where we need to repent, where we need to turn and actually change rhythms of our lives. Um, Would you help us? Where we need to repent and see those rhythms that are already in our lives as opportunities instead of just difficulties or a pain or even fun. Would you give us your eyes to see the harvest? Would you give us your heart? And would you give us your words and your strength to go according to your promise for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen.